millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello and here we are at episode 103. Firstly, as ever, I'd like to thank the new and existing Patreon supporters for for making this podcast happen. And if you'd like to support the podcast from as little as £3 a month, you can do so by following the links in the Ministry of Arts bio. It just takes a few minutes and it is very well appreciated. This week I'm going to be reintroducing you to Abby Jo Samuel. I say reintroducing because we spoke to Abby just a couple of weeks ago on a bonus episode that we've done for the Virtual Figure, which is an art collective based in East London with artist Tiffany Cole, who featured on episode number 76, and fellow portraitist Henrik Oldarlin. <laughs> oh, darling! Who <laughs> I do hope to get on here at one point. But getting back to Abby Joy Samuel. Abby completed her Art and Design Foundation at Central St Martins and later obtained a degree of fashion design at the University of Westminster. Abby has a wealth of artistic training and experience that merges fine art with fashion to explore human experiences. Before becoming a full-time artist, Abby had worked with some very influential brands including Alexander McQueen, Manish Aurora and Agonovich. You can see these fashion influences occasionally bleed through into her fine art. Abby's large-scale oil portraits are very painterly and emotive, and sometimes she will dribble very fluid paint over the contours of the portrait, which really does play about with the viewer's sense of perspective. But anyway, let the artist herself tell you more about her work. So please, come with me and meet Abby Joy Samuel. Um, the proms? Proms in the park or something? Yeah, nice. It's beautiful. It was such an amazing experience. And I remember drawing how the music made me feel. 
Um, so it's always been a, a, a part of me, classical music. It's brilliant when you can get moved by something and that, that stirs up some emotions and then you try and replicate them emotions in a completely mm. different form and pull it off, at least to, to the artist himself. You know, they can yeah. translate translate the two mediums. It's beautiful, isn't it, when you can do that? Yeah, it is. And it's something that I've been striving to do for so many years. You know, I feel like it comes somewhat naturally as a child. And then you sort of lose it through adulthood. And then you have to retrain yourself to get back there. But that's almost what it's felt like for me. Um, but it is such a, a skill, you know, especially, you know, your, your emotions and experiences become far more complex yeah. as you grow up. And to translate that into, you know, a painting or, or some other creative medium, is, it's, a, it's a skill. And it doesn't come necessarily naturally the way a lot of people think it might do. Yeah. Actually. But it's, it, it's, it's nice when, when you can pull in those different mediums. I mean, I should say we, we are, as I said, we are recording. So I should say I'm, I'm speaking this afternoon with Abby Joy Samuel. You okay? I'm really good. How are you, Gary? Not bad. How was your new year? You know nice what? Quiet. It was quiet, but it involved champagne and French food, so I can't oh, really ask for more. Excellent. That sounds <laughs> good. Um, it was I, mean, I should mention we've known each other since 2020, um, making it sound like we've known each other a year, but it's a week to the day. <laughs> we have a whole history. <laughs> as we are recording this. Um, we recorded a, a bonus episode last week with yourself, um, Tiffany Cole. And that was about the virtual figure, which we'll speak about later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that. Well, thank, thank you so much for having me, really. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Well, I ask the same question to, um, or the same set of seven questions to each artist. How would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work? Good question. It, it, I, can, I can describe my work as it stands now. Uh, and right now my work is m the most honest uh, and authentic it has ever been. Um, my work, uh, I, I mainly do portraiture, figurative work, um, abstract portraiture. Um, and I like to, I really uh, study my, my childhood, look at my childhood, look at the experiences I've had as a child and make, make sense of them. Um, and also I like to express who I have become today as a result, you know, who I am as a, a woman and, um, and, you know, create portraits out of that. I like to use a lot of colour, a lot of oil. Um, yeah. That's have a very painterly technique. Yeah. Um, how did that come around? Up until the age of maybe 16, I had this very painterly expressive way of working. Then I became quite serious about art and I recognised I could potentially have a career in it. And that's when I really started to go down the, the, the path of taking art seriously, studying anatomy, studying portraiture, 
um, I actually went on and did a degree in fashion design, funnily enough, but I, I learned about the human form through pattern cutting. Um, I worked for Alexander McQueen as the creative assistant, and he's all about silhouette and precision and, nice. and um, you know, beautiful pattern cutting and working with the form and tailoring. And so I really became, came to understand the, the human physique through fashion design. Um, but my, my, I, I was really obsessed with classical art, you know, um, classical portraiture, the old master paintings. And it isn't really until I would say the last few months since I've joined the, um, this wonderful art collective that I have with Tiffany Cole and Henrik Uldalen, we share a studio together, did I really sort of come out of myself and, yeah. and let go of all of the technique and, and rules. So that's how my current style that you can see on my Instagram page, that's how that's come about. It's been a process of just learning and unlearning. Do you think working in close proximity to other artists and feeling their vibe influence and, and whatever you want to call it has, has brought out that bit of confidence for you to sort of experiment more and yeah. push away or open up your boundaries. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, I, the, the biggest thing that I noticed when coming into this studio space slash complex with Tiffany and Henrik is all the things about myself and my work and my practice that I, I found hard to identify as being me yeah. I realized seeing them and seeing their work, seeing their quick random sketches, seeing their paintings and drawings, I saw the tiny nuances in their work that make them them. And I was able to see that in myself. And I realized, wow, you know, I really do have something unique in my style. Yeah. And once I was able to recognize that, I, I sort of came out of myself more and I, I, I saw the beauty in my own strange imperfections yeah. and just kind of explored it more, more I mean, freely. I've had Tiffany on here. Um, I've, I've sat and watched Henrik's um, videos that he puts up. They are absolutely mesmerizing, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And, and Gary, uh, it's mesmerizing on Instagram, but to see him do it in real life is it's just extraordinary. I mean, I've been I know, a huge fan of this for so long. I know we shouldn't really be speaking about someone else's techniques <laughs> while we're, I'm, I'm speaking to you. It's, it's a little bit rude, but as you're in the sort of collective or, or the art group, um, I feel it's okay just to, to talk about someone who is your influence and friend. Absolutely, you know? yeah. When I've seen him paint with just a fan brush. Yeah, it's not just, amazing. He, he doesn't even sort of, he moves his arm rather than his hand, you know, and yeah. he, he will just, a face will just appear on the canvas from, from a few yeah. of his brush marks. He is, he's something, something quite to, uh, to aspire to, no doubt. It's totally magical. And, you know, he's, Henrik has been such a huge influence on my practice. You know, I messaged him maybe seven or eight years ago, um, when I was in the middle of my degree and I was really thinking fashion is not really for me, art is for me. And I saw him on Instagram and I just fell in love with his work. There was just something about it that totally resonated with my soul to the point where I messaged him and I was like, I really would love to meet you. Let's grab a drink. And I don't know how I plucked up the courage to do that at the time because I was just 
just some random person basically um and thankfully he he agreed and we've just always kind of you know stayed in touch ever ever since but um yeah he's had his technique is extraordinary and being here in the studio has made me realize though that although to me and to the you know other 800,000 people that follow him his technique is it's almost like magic what he's done to get there is there it's like it's crazy I mean he has really painted every single day of like 15 years to get to that point so it's pretty good to have someone who's um, that active and knowledgeable within close proximity, isn't it? Yeah, it's totally invaluable. So <sighs> invaluable, Gary. Abby, when was your first interest in art? When I was five years old. Nice. I um, I watched a series uh, called Miss Drell's Daughter. It's quite an old series. I don't think many people know about it. Three parts, three or four parts. And it follows the story of a struggling Parisian artist and his relationship to a young, quite naive uh, Jewish girl who comes from the French countryside to Paris to be an artist model. And uh, you watch their stories and, um, and their lives throughout Paris and through the war and how he eventually becomes a successful artist and she becomes a successful artist model. And I just remember how it felt to watch this artist paint and and to be inspired. And I just knew from that moment, I was, my life was to be an artist. Excellent. That's a, that's a damn fine answer. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, I I do, I've mentioned this before on a few podcasts, but I do feel a little bit envious when artists say that they've had the, um, urge to be an artist from a really early age um, because mine wasn't like that I just stumbled across art and fell in love with it quite quickly you know it is a blessing I mean it really is it's, it's just a gift I can't you're right it's a real gift Gary I mean it changed my life completely give me a 180 degree turn in my life really you know finding it at the sort of darkest point in my life Um, And it just sort of, it it was come at exactly the right moment when I wanted to change my life from a life of crime. Um, All the stars aligned within the same sort of fortnight or month, you know, and and then bang, that was it. And it's, I mean, it was, it it all happened to me that quick. I even refer to myself as a born again artist. Wow. Because it just came, it happened like that, changed my life. I saw pretty much saw the light you know what I mean and from within within a matter of a few months of me doing this art course discovering the love of art getting in touch with these artists I I just turned my back on crime and started a new life yeah I'd definitely not be the person I am today without it was there something in art did art give you something that crime was giving you so it's like if you imagine how you are as an artist I was a criminal Everyone I knew was a criminal. I loved crime. I thought crime. Everything I saw, I thought how I could steal it or make money from it or, you know, exactly the same mindset as you are as an artist. You know, when you're walking about as an artist, you see colour, you see shadow, how you could make that mark, for instance. And I couldn't see any way out of crime because everyone I knew was a criminal. 
So I found this new community, these new group to be a part of. At the point when I wanted to make a change is when I discovered these people. They, they wrote to me while I was in jail and gave me a new purpose. So that's the change. And it was because it, it's like an addiction crime, you know, you're just enveloped with it just as you are with art. And all it was, I just had a shift from one family, if you like, to another. Which is why I find it kind of crazy that the concept of prison is just putting lots of people with the same mindset together, hoping that their mindset will change, I find baffling. Uh, it's bonkers. It really is. It, and, and then expecting them to be okay when they get out. It just, it's an impossible circumstance. But so many people who was in my position who want to change who just have a fucking barrage of negativity and hurdles thrown at them, you know? And it's just like being um, an addict, like addicts in jail, they try to get off of it. And then when it comes time to get out, they go, right, here's 55 pounds. You're now free to do what? You've got 55 quid, you've got nowhere to live. I might as well go and get some smack just to forget the situation I'm in, you know? And that's how it goes. Crazy, what a flawed system. That's how it is, and it's only it's only getting worse under these bastard Tories. I'd love to hear more about this. I'm going to listen to some podcasts of yours, actually. I mean, you mentioned um, that you saw this film when you was around five and yeah. fell in love with art. When was it? When was the point you realised? And I know you touched on it earlier, but when was the point you realised that you wanted to be an artist? But to make that move to actually become an artist, not not just have the the, the want or desire, you know. Um, I mean, I, from a professional point of view, yeah. I, it was when I became free finally after my degree. I, I I had done my obviously my GCSEs, then I did A levels. I did four A levels. I did photography, art, psychology, and textile. So kind of very arty topics. Then I went straight on to a year's art foundation at Central St. Martins. Um, and then I went straight into a degree in fashion design, which ended up lasting five years because I took an extra year out in the middle of it. And then when I finished my degree and my studies were over, that was when I was like, I'm gonna be a fine artist from now on. That's great. And that's where it began, really, career-wise. Yeah. Oh, superb. Oh, I, I, like, I, I like stories like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, which piece that you've created has the strongest emotional pull? I know the answer to that question, and it was one of the paintings I created... I've got this new body of work with this new style that I've been exploring recently. And the first painting of that style is my, it's my most authentic piece. It was the first time I felt something and really had the urge to express it no matter what. Yeah. It was a very egoless moment. Yeah, first honest painting as it were. Exactly, yeah. I really, it was the first time I really let go and I for whatever reason was feeling a lot of overwhelming emotion um, I feel very connected to 
my my mother and uh, there, there's a there's a there's a real bind that her and I have um, because when uh, because when I was you know given birth to there was a terrible mess of a divorce between my mum and my dad um, and as a result she her mental health was really deteriorating and she I think was showing. Uh, early signs of you know having some kind of mental breakdown psychosis during giving birth to me and sometimes I think that I became an artist in that moment that she somehow passed on I mean I'm very fortunate I've always had very a pretty good mental health yeah um but something about that experience although I wasn't you know obviously aware it has dramatically shaped me as an artist. And sometimes I feel like her experiences and her trauma coming through me onto the canvas. It's so bizarre and it really does come through me. It's not me, it comes from somewhere else. And in this painting, I I painted an image that frequently comes to my mind of my mother smoking, because she used to smoke when I was little, but she stopped, thankfully after my brother persistently threw cigar- her cigarette <laughs> <through>. <laughs> Good lad. Um, and basically her looking despondently out the window, completely detached yeah. um, from everything. Um, and that was the painting that I think is my most emotionally compelling. Nice. Well, there's, you know, it's, it's, not a, it's not a bad experience to start off with, is it? I mean, constantly having, um, an image or a thought in the back of your mind. Um, I mean, we, we're not, uh, as, as people, we don't understand what these images are just mm. yet, but they're obviously something in your subconscious mind, aren't they? Yeah. That's so interesting you say that, because I've always wondered where this image of my mother smoking and looking despondently out the window. And it, the, the biggest thing about this image is the feeling of detachment. And maybe I do, I did experience that as a child. I think I probably did. I think for the first few months, my mother was completely detached to the point where she was put into a mental health hospital. Um, and, you know, social workers have to step in and I ended up going into foster care and potentially yeah. getting adopted. So there must, my mother must have been detached. Yeah. Well. So that is a very strong feeling inside me that I need to express yeah oh, you'd never get to the bottom of it but it'd be well worth your while to sort of investigate that sort of that process i'm sure that you'd that you'd be able to find out uh, many many a study that that has focused on that i mean I, I, we used to have these when we lived in this flat we had the lifts that the doors used to shut together you know two half doors if you know what i mean and when I was waiting for the lift, every now and then, I'd feel when the doors shut, I, I'd feel I'd feel a little bit funny about it. And I mentioned it to my mum. I don't know, I was probably school age, you know, like 15 or something. And I'd say I'd always get a, as if my hands get a feeling as if my hands caught in there. And then she laughed. She said, Well, when you was a baby in your pram, you stuck your hand out while we was in the lift and the doors shut on your hand. And there was little pressure pads on the door, but because my fingers were so tiny, it didn't really pick them up, you know? 
And my mum said, and we only lived on the second floor, which was one stop in the lift, if you know what I mean. And she said that I was screaming while my hand was caught in the door, but I was in the pram and I was a, you know, I was sitting up, so I could have only been, I'm so tempted to say 11, but I was, you know, so I could have only been like a year or something because I was sitting up. But yeah, I've put my arm out and they got stuck in the, my fingertips got stuck in the lift wow. door. But I've always felt that. Wow, but you, it, it's in there, you've processed it and it's- yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that was the, that was the reason that I kept feeling a little shudder when I saw the lift door shut. But as I say, I'm, I'm never going to find out, but that could be the answer, couldn't it, you know? Yeah, well, I'm a big believer uh, in the theory that we are born as blank slates and we essentially learn everything. Exactly, yeah. I do believe that. And, and I'm sure that you can pick up moods as well as you can pick up knowledge, you know? And, and smoke, did you say your mum was smoking while you was in the womb? I don't know if she smoked whilst I was, she was pregnant. I don't know. Maybe she did. I Because maybe that's a, <laughs> maybe that's a little something. Did she listen to classical music? Maybe. Because, you know, that, that could have come from there as well, couldn't it? Yeah, that's interesting. Well, the thing, the thing about classical mo music, it seems to move me in a similar way to when I look at a painting that I like. Um, I'm not sure why. Maybe it is. Maybe my mother listened to it. Who knows? How do you relax? Oh, my God. You know what? I don't relax. I swear I don't. <laughs> so many artists say that. Oh my god no you know what i i meditate a lot i try to meditate um i i did this uh meditation retreat a couple years ago which was called vipassana it was 10 days in silence um and it's about meditation every day yeah it's it's a, it's, it's a nutty experience but um so meditation is an important part of my of my life um I love, how do I relax? Like really relax? Oh my God, I'm so bad at it. I'm so bad at it. I've started to relax more since I've met my, my new partner. He really helps me to relax. He has this approach to life, this very Italian approach. He's Italian, this sort of way of living where it's like, there are times when, when it's time to work, you work. When it's time to relax, you relax. Yeah, so, nice. Is, is he an artist or has he got a job? He's got a job. Well, that's the difference because a job, the day finishes, doesn't it? With yeah. an artist, it, it's always, you're, you're never off duty. You're like a copper. Basically, I mean, Hen, when, when I first was thinking of coming into the studio space with Henrik, you know, I, I've never paid for a studio space before and I could barely pay for rent, you know, let alone then a studio space. Yeah. He said, like, honestly, Abby, the act of going to the studio to paint and then going home at the end of the day, he said it will have such a big impact on your uh, yeah. practice. And he was so right. It really does. There, I do feel, I take it really much more seriously now. You mentioned Henrik and Tiffany Cowers, we've been talking. Mm -hmm. Could you say us a little something about the virtual figure? Uh, the virtual figure really is it was out when I first came into the studio Tiffany and Henrik mentioned several times that they wanted to start doing life drawing but they hadn't quite sort of gotten around to it and never really worked out but I was like come on guys let's get our diaries out 
let's do our first life drawing session together. So we did our first life drawing session in the studio. Back then we could do that. It was probably after the first lockdown. And then obviously another lockdown came and it, we decided to put it online because we couldn't have people in the studio anymore. And basically the virtual figure was kind of born. We found that all the people, all of our followers wanted to come and do life drawing yeah. and be a part of this lovely little sort of bubble that Tiffany Henrik and I have created. Yeah, we would have Tiffany do various different poses nude at various different lengths anything between two minutes to you know up to an hour and uh it just it, i mean life drawing is for anyone listening to this who doesn't know is it's really the foundation for any uh um, artist's practice yeah. and it's uh your opportunity to practice the drawing the human form from life and to really just explore your style and get out of yourself. You sometimes do very quick drawings from the model, maybe yeah. just one minute or two minutes where you have to very quickly capture their form. And sometimes you'd have a, you'll do a bit longer, um, up to an hour. Um, and you use different mediums, you experiment. Sometimes you use your opposite hand. Sometimes you use collage. And um, it's, it's the foundation of, of the practice. It's supposed to be loose. It's supposed to get you past your own limitations. Um, but the virtual figure really um, became more than that. It became more than just life drawing. We noticed that throughout the lockdown period, there were a lot of creative people that were reassessing their lives and you know they were on furlough. They were no longer bound to their jobs for a period of time. And they had time to reflect and think, actually, you know, I have this gift in art or I, I used to participate in that dream that they've always had. Exactly. Because they've now got the time for it. Yeah. And, you know, they've obviously been following Henrik on Instagram or me or Tiffany and the virtual figure basically said to them, let's take your talent and come be a part of yeah. what we do. It's not just a pipe dream. We're here meeting twice a, a month and we have a different featured artist each time, a leading figurative artist. And let's learn from them. Let's learn from each other. Let's network. Let's practice making art. And yeah, it just has sort of kind of exploded kind of without really planning planning to. But, you know, we're getting like 80 odd people now. Nice. Session from all over. So you're building up a little arts community hub as well. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just basically an art community hub. Um, where we get to draw from, uh, learn from leading artists. Um, Tiffany is a, a life model herself. Yeah. Um, do you have guest models? We want to. We have had a couple, a few guest models, but it's something we would love to explore more. It's challenging at the moment, obviously, because of the pandemic issue. And it's really good for us to have the model in the studio so we yeah. control the lighting especially because the feet that the artists that we have feature sometimes their lighting style can be quite particular um and we want to try and work on have as good quality as possible so we're kind of limited for models at the moment but we're gonna we're gonna do our our best really 
And when we last spoke, you said that you've finally taken the plunge to sort of um, yeah. have a go yourself. Was yours, I can't remember whether I asked at the time, when you done it, was yours in front of the 80 people or just in front of Tiffany and Henrik? It was in front of the 80 people. Wow, good going. Well done. I know, thank you. Yeah, it's such a, it's such a liberating thing, Gary, because yeah. you know, we're so used to, especially in, in the Western world, it's, we base our body image on the, really the, the media, social media and marketing, and it's never really healthy. Yeah. It doesn't, um, the media doesn't want us to love our bodies and to celebrate our bodies particularly. Yeah, it will either sexualize them or um, become something that you should be ashamed of and, and exactly. cover up. And what's so incredible about modeling is all of a sudden you have these people celebrating your nuances and your imperfections. And, you know, I remember the first time I, I, I actually did some like modeling for one of my favorite artists called Edward Povey. Um, and I had to do a photo shoot for him. That was the first time I probably appeared nude for art. And I remember him emailing me back saying, you, I didn't anticipate the fact that you would have this kind of Renaissance um, silhouette. And I'd never heard anyone use such terminology on my body. You know, I'd only ever heard myself criticize my body. So, that was a it was just wonderful it's a, it's a wonderful thing to do and like when we was talking you were saying about you um uh, you took a friend to a life drawing class and the only seat left was behind the guy who happened to be on more or less all fours so he had a a sort of um a, a, a cartoonish um or comedic view of the guy being um yeah bum cheeks and, oh and whatever else happened to be on show it was such a sight, Gary. I mean, we were literally inches away from this guy on all It was, yeah, good. made for a very good drawing. I think I've still got one of those drawings, actually. Oh, you, you was you both at that position? Yeah, we were both sitting next to each other right behind Excellent. How can you take it? So you're trying to be all serious and arty, and you're just sort of, um, yeah, looking <laughs> into the abyss, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So... Um, Tiffany, an excellent life model. I mean, I've only seen photographs that she's put up online. You've started yourself. So mm. Henrik, is he is he the third one of the trio to... Henrik wouldn't model because he's very... I can't imagine him posing nude because he's quite a, a modest sort of character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, t Tiffany and I model and, and we often make jokes about us walking around the studio naked. When he was away in Mexico for, he'd just come back from Mexico. He was there for six weeks on an art residency. And we were so embarrassing. Tiffany told him when we were speaking the day that we converted his desk space into like a dress. <laughs> oh, you've stuck. You've gone, you are, uh, there you go, you're back. back. You was very, my back. <laughs> Did you think I was joking? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I didn't. I, I knew it had seriously gone. <laughs> I could hear your voice going. Up, up, up. <laughs> okay, are we back? 
we're back in the room. Okay, good. Um, yeah, um, it, so he was in Mexico for six weeks doing his art residency and Tiffany told him that we basically converted his desk space into a dressing table for when we were modeling. And his whole desk was basically covered in our, <laughs> in our underwear, like our makeup, like yeah. things hanging off his computer. <laughs> so embarrassing. But yeah, he's much, he's, he's more modest. I can't really imagine him doing like money unless he gets drunk because he loves Mascal. Yeah. So yeah. And how do you feel when you see your figure on someone else's canvas? Can you disconnect it from being um, Abby on the canvas? Can you see it as just a figure or do you see you? I see me, I really do. I really see me as, I, I love seeing how different people interpret my body. It feels like it's me. I mean, I don't believe, I'm quite spiritual and I don't believe that we are our bodies, but there are certain things that I do the way I hold myself, my posture, and I can see myself in my body. Yeah. Brings up this debate of, you know, when the artist paints someone, they are essentially painting themselves. An artist is creating their world and they use someone else as a vehicle for that. If there was you and five other artists, past and present, what would your ideal group show be? Oh my gosh. Past and present. Fortunately, I have my display of Excellent. art books here. <laughs> I mean, obviously Super. I would have Salvador Darling any day. Cool. Um, I would have um, Caravaggio. Nice. Um, I would have, oh, I'd love to have Mark Rothko. Um, obviously, I'd love to have, uh, I've, got, I've got to have some contemporary artists in there as well. Um, oh, God, I'd love to have Tracy Emin there. That's cool, isn't she? So my fifth person would probably be, uh, hmm. I mean, if I had two left, I would probably have said Tiffany and Henrik. Of course, I was, I was waiting for at least one of those to pop in. If you wasn't an artist, Abby, what do you think you'd like to be? I would have been a ballerina. Nice. I love ballet. Dance is super, like, I find dance very inspiring. Um, my my father's now ex-wife not my mother he, he remarried afterwards but she was a dancer and I used to love watching her um do ballet and she would sometimes teach me nice there, there's something about ballet and the, the way that the, the form changes and all the muscles and the, the, just the gracefulness of it just, I've always found so inspiring so beautiful well, it sounds like that you was always destined to be a sort of portrait artist because everything that you've described from your younger days, is, it all seems to be pointing in the same direction. There's a, a friend of mine, Kate Knight, who's an artist. She used to be a ballerina. Oh, yeah. Um, although she's not a figurative a figurative painter as such. But, um, yeah, she, she posts up a few of her old uh, photographs from when she was younger. They, they're pretty cool. And do you dance yourself as, as 
you say you want you would like to be a ballerina have you ever done it I have I have spent a few years doing ballet and actually funny enough I signed up for a ballet course recently um so I'm hoping to get back into it but it's you know I remember when I was really just trying to find myself when I was like 20 and I had taken a year out of my degree and for some reason I didn't really have any commitments um I had a little bit of money in my bank and I just remember driving into central London at like 11 o'clock at night and going to um, Bar Salsa and just being in Bar Salsa on my own at like midnight doing salsa with just like random people. Excellent. Loving it. Have you ever, like salsa is amazing for a woman because the guy is leading. He literally just sort of throws the woman around. And as long as you've got some element of rhythm and ability to take lead, to, to be led. Yeah. Um, you kind of look fabulous doing salsa. Yeah, so I, I love dance so much. Yeah, I've not got a I've not got a, a a bone in me that could be in rhythm with another one. I'm afraid. I would love to go to a club with you and dance. Oh, it wouldn't happen. Are you the guy at the bar who just sits uh, there? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not really much of a drinker when I go out either. So, uh, could you imagine how fucking boring I am to go out with? That's all right, Tiffany. <clears throat> Either, so. I'm the driver. You're the driver. Okay. But yeah, dancing. Oh, me and Henrik getting fucked on Mascal and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not really a dancer, I'm afraid. Um, what have you got coming up? Anything in these odd times? Super odd times, Gary. I mean, the the next six months is going to be a lot of focus for. Me and Tiffany, she's got her first uh, duo show with Gallery Benjamin Eck in July of, of this year. I'm going to be exploring this new series of mine, putting it out there, maybe um, get in touch with a few potential galleries that I'd like to work with. Um, but, you know, the, the plan is that Tiffany Henrik and I are joining forces with another art collective. Nice. A bigger community, shall we say. Um, so that's really exciting because that's going to involve us going to, they own a couple of art residencies, we'll go out there, we'll meet them, we're going to do projects together, Excellent. Shows, museum shows, just like a bunch of things. We are in talks about potentially creating a much bigger kind of studio and gallery space um, for all of us um, to be in. So that there's a lot going on this year. And obviously, of course, there's growing the virtual figure life drawing. Um, so I mean, it's got to be a little frustrating to have all these aspirations and, and things being within arm's length of, of growing and being something physical, yeah. but not being able to, you know, get within more than a, a metre of another person, yeah. um, which is hampering these dreams and, and ambitions, it's got to be quite frustrating, which brings the virtual figure into its into its realm, isn't it? Because anyone can contact that. Yeah, you know, the virtual figure is a beautiful thing because we essentially didn't really accept that frustrating. It was yeah. there and they were just like, you know what, how can we make this into a blessing, a blessing in disguise? And so I, I don't feel frustrated. I, I feel really sad and for, I feel like as an artist, these are wonderful times actually, because we live in our heads essentially, and we yeah. rely on ourselves to do what we do. 
Um, and if you're in a job and you're getting put on furlough, it's time you can have more time to make your art. It's incredibly difficult for people like, you know, my, my, uh, my best friend, Danny, you know, he's a very successful actor in the, in the West End. Um, and, he, you know, it, the theatre industry has completely gone to smithereens. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about that. That's, that's, that's just, it's tragic, really. It's really, it's really sad. I, I mean, obviously, it will come, go back to normal at some point, but I guess we're just fortunate to be relying on ourselves at the end of the day for our practice. Well, as artists, um, your working day isn't really affected too much by COVID and um, social distance because most of the time we're on our own crying out for a bit of for a bit of attention off of someone else anyway aren't we you know exactly where can people find you online be it social media or website first thing to do is to follow me on instagram which is um abby joy samuel art which is a b i j o y samuel art <laughs> s-a-m-a-r-t so um yeah just anyone listen to this drop me a message ask some questions just reach out say hello i love meeting new people i love knowing people and understanding them so yeah. and at times like this even more so eh? yeah absolutely abby that's all my questions asked thank you very much for your time yep and it's been beautiful speaking to you really it's been my pleasure gary thank you so much thank you for everything see you later there you go. How cool is Abby Joy Samuel? And as you heard there, it was a bit of an ad hoc episode. We first met, albeit over Zoom, just a few days prior to this recording and just went from there. Superb. If you don't know Abby, now is a good time to go and look for her on social media. She's hosting a few live interviews herself for Paint Guide. So go over to the socials and give her a follow. There's a couple of other portrait artists that have been on the Ministry of Arts podcast that also had a fashion background and, and brought that with them into the visual art world. That would be Mila Alexander from episode number 22 and more recently Amy Beager from episode 99. I've got quite a treat for you next week. I'm speaking to Catherine Borowski who is one half of the Skip Gallery among many other things which was also, well like all of these episodes, a really good chat. But that's for next week. As far as this week is concerned, thank you for listening and whichever platform you listen to this podcast, you should be able to leave a comment. If you could do that, it'll only take a few seconds and it really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. So, thanks for listening and until next week, ta Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.